Good evening, everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler, right here with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said. We are very happy that you are joining us on this long Canada Day weekend. Now, it's hard to believe we're already into July. How the time flies, right? Well, I don't know. Is it going to rain? Is it going to rain? Because it rained every day but one in June. So hopefully the summer will brighten up. Well, you just have to get up in the morning and go outside and see what's going on. (laughs) Because the forecast doesn't seem to know most of the time. Some of us are a little more tech-savvy than others, but I think we can all agree that no matter how convenient and time-saving it can be, there is a dark side to technology. And author Mike Dover certainly thinks so. And he's going to explain what he means in his book, Technology Meets the Seven Deadly Sins. There are only seven sins... Seven deadly sins. There are only seven (laughs) deadly sins? I mean, I thought there were way more. That's manageable. You want to list the ones that you're guilty of? (laughs) All of them, probably, except murder. (laughs) We have just spent the month of June celebrating all things pride. So are we just a little surprised that some higher profile people still feel there's a stigma? We're going to chat with media personality Daniel Pillai about being bullied and his coming out story. Okay, so think fast. The five best Canadian songs of all time. What are they? You have a little time before our own Eric Alper is going to reveal the answer to that question. Uh, but they're his five best songs. I was going to say, they his five best songs? Because he could get in trouble. Yeah. Now, if you are an ice cream lover, then stay right where you are because the lovely and talented Charmaine Broughton has some of my favorite things. Ice cream dessert recipes. Yum. I'll take ice cream in any form. <laughs> Even though it is 2017, many women still shy away from dealing with finances. Meridian's Dillis DeCruz is going to beseech you not to turn away, but to educate yourself just just in case one day you are left with that responsibility. Okay. Now, this evening, the talented Amoye joins us for our live studio sessions. And we want to remind you that we are giving away two copies of True Family Wealth. That's by Chris Clark. And also, we have 25% off Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder, which is specifically designed for people over 40. You can get all the details by going to our website, which is whatshesaidtalk.com. And please do follow us on social media, which is at whatshesaidtalk.com. She said talk everywhere. We liked to keep it pretty easy. (laughs) So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the break with Mike Dover and the dark side of technology. No, but in the break, I want to know about your seven deadly sins. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't think we have enough time in the break to go over those. But anyway, we'll try. This is what she said. Stay with us. People are crazy in talks I scream. I'm locked in tight. I'm out of range. I used to care. Well, every time we hear the story of a major hacking scandal or an online bullying incident, the conversation always turns to the good and the bad about technology. Author Mike Dover, a business professor, has studied this, and his book, Dante's Infinite Monkeys, explores the dark side of technology. Professor Dover, welcome to what she said. Great. Thanks for the invite. Love the title. Oh, thank you. So what, what moved you to write this book? Well, I've been studying tech and how it impacts society and how it impacts business models for a long time, for about 20 years. And almost all of the work we've done has been the really good parts. So I thought this would balance a bit because, you know, I'm not anti-technology. I think a lot of great stuff has happened with it. But as you mentioned, there's some downsides as well. Well, you list the seven deadly sins to make your point. Mm -hmm. So take us through the seven deadly sins and, and, and how technology has made them worse. Sure. Well, pick one. Okay. Greed. Okay. So greed, there's lots of crime. And crime, of course, has always existed. And technology has accelerated how, how that crime can be committed and has introduced some new crimes. So if you think of the ransomware that we've heard or the hacks, mm-hmm. that is theft that can be done from a server in the Ukraine that we never would have seen before. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's look at wrath. So mm. wrath, you, you can get online mobs. And you can sometimes people are overpunished, even if they make a mistake, a mistake that maybe you know they should learn a lesson from. Sometimes the whole internet can turn on them. So I have some examples in the book of people who made an insensitive tweet, and the entire internet has turned on them. Mm. So it's sort of out of proportion 
in in many cases. I think it is. I think, yeah, it it can be. And there was no previous way of millions of people to come and attack a regular person. Or judge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. How about envy? Envy, we see a lot on social media. There's been some really good studies that talk about how Facebook depresses people. And Instagram Mm -hmm. just can, I think, can destroy young women in particular because there's no way they can live up to that image of perfection that they're seeing all the time. That's right. And as you mentioned, the constant judging that can happen from that. So with with Facebook and Instagram, you're usually people are presenting the best of themselves, most people. Mm -hmm. So other people are saying, well, my life is kind of messed up and I keep hearing about engagements and people getting good jobs and people winning contests. So why am I not measuring up to that when, of course, most people are just talking about the very best of themselves? Now, I hesitate to go down down the road of lust, but lust is one of the seven deadly sins. And certainly, um, you know, from porn to everything on the Internet, all the debauchery that's available there, that's you have a field day. Yeah, there's quite, you know, that, that was an interesting chapter for sure. <laughs> and it's, you know, you talk about how children learn about sex should not be through Hardcore images. But how do you stop them? How do you stop them seeing it? Well, I, I, that's probably a whole show. <laughs> I, I, I would recommend uh, to your listeners that you have to make it age appropriate. And for children, I don't know, like eight, nine, you really have to start worrying, worrying about that. Say that up until a certain age where they've earned their privacy is internet should not be on in their rooms. Mm-hmm. Let's have the internet on the laptop at the kitchen table. Let's use there's there's net nanny and other sort of software that any smart kid can get around. Yeah. But just really not allowing the privacy until you know until the person has has uh, earned it. What about the sin of sloth? Well, sloth. I, I see this a a lot as my job as a professor of people who say, "Well, I don't really need to learn how to spell because the little red squiggly line in Microsoft Word is going to do that for me." Now that doesn't always work, right? Because it doesn't um, tell if you meant on instead of of. Mm-hmm. And if somebody does a title in all caps, that doesn't work either. And I hear that. I said, well, look, you made a lot of mistakes on this. You know, if you're giving this to a client or your boss, that would be unacceptable. So well, it wasn't my fault. The, the spell check didn't pick it up. And the same with math. The yeah, same with math, the same with learning maps. So if you've always had Google Maps in your car, do you ever actually learn how to navigate without it? <laughs> I love the, the one about uh, pride. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about selfies and pride. Yeah, there's a, a really interesting website that is dedicated to people making inappropriate selfies. So taking a selfie with a car accident behind you or a concentration camp. Or at Aus- Auschwitz, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, real, what are people thinking? <laughs> well, they're not. They're just thinking of themselves and they're, they're the audience that they have. They're, and you mentioned Instagram earlier. One of my mm-hmm. favorite examples is when Russia invaded Ukraine they denied doing it. A young Russian soldier posted Instagram where it's, there's a geolocation that proved that they were in the Ukraine. Hmm. <laughs> what, about, what about people who, I mean, I, I see people who take selfies six times a day, every day. Yeah, there's people who do it 600 times a day. I mean, that's what Snapchat is all about. It's about telling stories via your, your picture. I'm here. I'm yeah. now eating breakfast. I'm now going outside. I'm now... <laughs> I just don't care. I was on Snapchat for a little while, and I thought, really, I don't care that much about your life. I have better things to do than see yeah. all these things. Yeah, I've never actually used Snapchat. I've studied it, but I think most of the people on there don't really want me to be there. And I'm not really that interested <laughs> for the same thing. It, it, may, it may be um, uh, for people after our time. Now, you also say that the uh, of all the sins, the meaning of gluttony may have changed the most. Yeah. In, in the book, I talk about um, how technology has changed our relationship with food. But that's only about Really? Ha- yeah. How? Well, there's a, there's a couple ways. One, there is a very interesting story about a restaurateur in New York that found some old security tapes. And he compared how people behaved in his restaurant eight years ago between uh, how they behave now. Well, they're taking photographs of the food all the time? Yeah. And then the food gets cold because by the time they're done um, taking pictures, you know, the, the, the food has gone cold. And also, if they're texting be- for 15 minutes before they look at their menu, that slows things down as well. But I also talk in the gluttony chapter about gluttony at a meta level. So no matter what you're interested in, you can get 
reams of material about it. And that manifests a lot in the political spectrum. So whether you're left wing or you're right wing, you can spend your entire day getting thousands of messages, reading memes of that that reinforces your point of view. And I think that leads to more hatred of political figures than we've, we've ever seen before. There's always disagreements, but the, so the pure visceral hatred hasn't, didn't really exist before. I was just going to say, how, how do individuals in society keep up with these sort of ethics and morality of tech advances? Because it's happening so quickly, we can't really keep up. Well, that's two questions. I mean, society will adapt to it in certain ways. Things that are, didn't used to be acceptable are now acceptable, and the reverse. So, for example, you remember when um, Bill Clinton said he was on MTV, he was asked if he ever smoked weed, mm-hmm. and he said yes, but I didn't and then inhale. And inhale. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you, you're all baby boomers that went to college pretty much had tried it. Um, but he said, well, it wasn't acceptable for a president to have done that. Now, if you compare that with, you know, Obama and uh, W. Bush said, oh, yeah, well, no, I, I did cocaine as a, as a young person. I Whiskey and cocaine. <laughs> I certainly don't recommend it. So that's changed. And I think with all of the selfies and things being captured, having people expected to be perfect isn't required anymore. And if you think about the stupid things we did, the three of us when we were teenagers. Oh, I'm so glad I did them yeah. before the internet. Believe me. <laughs> there would be a lot of work for somebody to track yeah. down a picture if it existed, yeah. scan yeah, it, and then put it up. Yeah, so, nobody had a smartphone to document it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that sort of stuff has changed. And as an individual, going back to your, your question, I think we really need to look at ourselves. And if you're nastier to people online because you have a keyboard courage and, you, and they can't see you, then it's really sort of reflect and say, how can I, how can I be a better person? I worry about all the children of the parents who uh, who post their pictures as their toddlers, babies, like growing growing up all the time. That the, the children might come back and turn around and say, "What were you doing?" Yeah, like I have no privacy. Everybody knew everything about me, and embarrassing stuff. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, there's an academic I know who studies that quite a bit. And she's very careful about using nicknames and stuff for her children and having pictures of her children never actually have a face with it. But you're right. It's because that's really done without the child's consent. It's certainly not an informed consent. Well, especially now when every employer goes back and looks at your all, your whole social media is anything that's documented. That's why we work for ourselves, Christine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this sounds fascinating. I, I'm, I'm dying to read this. Where can people get this book, Mike? Well, for your Canadian listeners, the best place is HumberPress.com. Mm-hmm. It's also on Amazon.com for anybody who can attract that. And if a bookstore, just ask them if they don't have it. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Oh, thanks for the invite. This is what she said. Stay with us. It may sound absurd, but don't be naive. Even heroes have the right to bleed on me. Most of us think that in 2017, the LGBTQ community is accepted on all levels, and especially in a place like Toronto, which, for example, led the way in terms of gay marriages. But that isn't the complete truth. According to our next guest, a media personality in his own right, Daniel Pillay. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you're a host, a writer, a producer. You've gained quite a following. Tell us about your professional life quickly. You have two shows, quite a list of famous interviewees. Yeah, you know, I've I've interviewed a lot of big names in Hollywood and Bollywood. And right now I've got two online shows, one called Date with Daniel and the other called F'd with Daniel. Mm -hmm. And the F's being fashion, food, film, and what I call fabulosity. And it's just my way of speaking to people that I want to speak to, tell stories that I want to tell, and showcase my life. Well, we're going to talk about being gay in the spotlight and what that has been like for you. But first, tell us about your coming out story. Well, I told my family I was gay in 2010. I was 25 years old. And it was, you know, I grew up in a very unhappy home. So I think by the time that I accepted my sexuality and decided to tell my family about it, it was a celebration. It wasn't something that was very difficult. And, you know, I, my dad wasn't very accepting of it. He still isn't. But my mom, she's, she's open to the conversation. She loves me for who I am. She celebrates Moms pride with me. Moms are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she was at the parade this year with me. And she asks questions. She makes jokes. She takes an active part in my life. So that's the dichotomy at home. But, you know, you take the good with the bad. You just kind of have to roll with the punches. 
What about the rest of your family? You have siblings? I have one sister, Jessica. She's 26 years old. And so, she, I mean, she's a millennial at heart. She's grown up with acceptance of the LGBTQ community. So that wasn't a struggle at all. If anything, she's lucky to have a gay brother. He always looks good. <laughs> Who's a fashionista. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Fabulosity. Well, you say you were bullied, though. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom is the youngest of 14 kids. So by the time I popped on the scene in 1985, I had a lot of male cousins, a lot of alpha male male cousins. And so I was always like the elephant in the room. I liked pink. I loved Bollywood actresses. I, um, I, I loved spending time with the women, you know. And usually in a, South, a conservative South Asian family, you walk into the room, the men are on one side, the women mm-hmm. are on the other. I was with the women. And so there were a lot of questions around my sexuality. A lot of people would make comments. Um, I'd be made fun of at school and at home. And um, it, it just, it just, I was always made to feel like an outsider. Did you and know you were gay? No, absolutely not. I was always called gay, and I had no idea what the word meant, to be completely honest with you. But I always knew that they were making a marker about a difference I had, and that uh-huh. that difference wasn't something that was accepted. And I knew that no matter how young you are, you understand that you have a difference and it's not accepted and people don't really understand it. So I knew I was different and I knew it wasn't acceptable. And because of that, I I was very shy. Um, I wasn't so outgoing. I'd probably just kind of go into the back corner because I didn't want anybody to pick up on a gesture or pick up on the tone of my voice and embarrass me or create shame around that. So I was very quiet. So here you are, successful at what you do. You're in the spotlight. What is it like as a gay person in the entertainment industry? Is it different than other professions? Are we still, is there still a stigma? Absolutely. But, you know, I think when it comes to the entertainment business, you you have to be comfortable being who you are before you step into that space. And that's whether you're gay or straight or bi or transgendered. You have to have self-confidence and you have to have a secure sense of self because the entertainment business can kind of take you in many different directions. And if you're secure in who you are, then you'll stay grounded. So I, I think it has less to do with sexuality and more to just with who you are as a person but you know every once in a while I do face those stereotypes you know a lot of people expect gay men to be super thin and super fit and you know I'm thick and voluptuous and I celebrate (laughs) that so you know I don't fit into those crowds but there are those expectations when it comes to being gay or they expect me to be really bitchy for lack of a better term make fun of people Mm Um, you know, put them down for the things that they wear. And I don't necessarily ascribe to those things. Well, there's as many different gay types of gay men yeah. as there are types of people. Yeah. I mean, there are some, you know, some gay men that I get on very, very well with. And there are some that just don't like women that I don't get along well with. So, I mean, I just treat yeah. people like people. Yeah. And I think when it comes to uh, entertainment, I mean, being gay is something you can cash in on, you know, especially when I it comes say. to the entertainment space. So they expect you to kind of turn it on and play up to certain things. And I don't, I, I was bullied. I don't want to bully others. Mm-hmm. Um, I was made fun of. I don't want to do anything that's going to make someone feel less than. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always fit into the entertainment space mm-hmm. because they kind of like, they love that sort of commentary that goes against the grain and can create controversy. Yeah, but what you're really talking about is that you're you're getting pushback for not being stereotypical yeah. gay. Yeah, yeah. Or what people have some some image of what a gay man is supposed to be like. Yeah, that's yeah. very odd. Mm-hmm. It is odd, and I think what it, it comes across in just the way people think about things. It's not necessarily out there, and you know, people are just against you, or they ex- they're expecting me to fit that mold. Sometimes it's just the way they think about you, and they ex- they express that in regular conversation, and you realize that okay, perhaps you haven't given them what they want in that interview or you didn't say what they expected you to and you walk away knowing that you were different. So what was the impetus for the He, She project? And Tell us about it. So again, growing up, constantly being called a He, She, being being made fun of my female um, characteristics, which mm-hmm. I love, by the way, they're fabulous. So the He, She project was more me just trying to blend the two of them together and say, hey, we can be whoever we are despite the masculinity and femininity in us. And it was more to challenge the ideas of what it means to be a man today. And especially in the South Asian culture, you know, my dad's been pressured by what it means to be a man and I didn't fit that. And because of that, there was a lot of shame for him with his only son. And so I wanted to challenge that. I said, I'm still a man at the end of the day. I still identify as one, but I may be different than what you think a man 
should be or can be. But that doesn't mean we can't take that definition outside of the norm and celebrate that too. So that's what it really was. It was a series of photos celebrating both the masculine and feminine sides of who I am. So what needs to happen to change the environment or people's acceptance levels of of other people? I think we have to have conversations and we have to have uncomfortable conversations and we have to be open to the perspective and viewpoints of others. That's the one thing that I think has saved my relationship with my mother. If I allowed her to think whatever she thought, you know, she migrated to Canada in the early 1970s. She didn't know there was a gay community until she came here. And she started to learn about it on the news. Now, if I allowed her to just think about whatever she thought, and I didn't have an ongoing conversation with her, there would have been no education. I wouldn't have increased her awareness. Um, with that has come empathy and compassion. And so I think that we ha- you have to have uncomfortable conversations on both ends of the spectrum. I know a lot of my brothers and sisters in the community, when they face some pushback from their parents or they say something, they're immediately insulted and they just shut down the conversation. But ask a few more questions. Push, pa- push past that. I learned a lot about my parents and their upbringing in that process as well. So I think that as long as you're open to having a conversation, whether it ends on your end of the uh, argument or not, you're going to slowly create more engagement, more awareness. And with every small victory, there's a bigger win. So what is your, you, you do a lot of speaking. You support yes. people in young people in the LGBT c- community. What is it? that you tell them? What is it that you want them to understand about themselves? I want them to know that they have the power to define who they are. That when they're young, people are going to tell them a lot of things. People are going to tell them there are a lot of things and how they should be, how they should dress, how they should act. But at the end of the day, I want them to know that how they feel about themselves is paramount. Whether that's good or bad, how you feel about yourself should be the first question you ask and it should be the first step you take in that journey. And it's difficult. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to know it because there's so much pressure around you. But if you allow yourself just to be open to the idea of being free and being honest with yourself, you will get to a point, despite the circumstances, where you will accept yourself, whether good or bad. You'll come to an understanding and whatever you choose to do with your life is your choice. But as long as you know who you are and you're comfortable with that, you're good to go. Well, I too am a voluptuous, fabulous yes. female. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, oh. so tell people where, where how they can watch your shows. So you can go, you can search my name Daniel Play on YouTube or go to danielpalay.com and all my count- content is housed there. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you evening. for having me and thank you for having such an important conversation on your show. I think it's very important. This is what she said. Stay with us. Practice makes perfect, I'm powering, flowering. My lyrics are awesome and tune in volume and bloom and I'm blossoming. Blowing away blockades and barricades, make it black and blue from the blast of the blaze. It's a blood sport, but builds up back. I make your vision. Well, that was Maestro Fresh West, but joining us now is musicologist Eric Alper in On the Record. And this Canada Day weekend, he is talking about the five best Canadian songs of all time. And I take it that's one of them. That's going to be one of them. And this is according to me. So, you know, please, you know, feel free to email and tweet and do all this stuff and call me an idiot and say, how could I forget this? But it's only a five minute segment. So we got to kind of narrow it down. But Maestro Fresh West's Let Your Backbone Slide is probably one of the greatest songs to ever come out of this country. And for a lot of us, it was our first kind of entry into hip hop music. And it's funny because Dwight Drummond, who is now a CBC reporter, actually plays a cameraman in the video that was directed by Joe Goldberg, who got his start at Much Music, and this was the first Canadian single in the hip-hop world to have over 50,000 sales, so the first rapper to ever sell 50,000 in Canada. Well worth it. Didn't know that. To their pockets Everybody wants A box of chocolate In the long stem Everybody knows of course, it's Leonard Cohen, and everybody knows. Now, a lot of people know this song because it was on the really huge I'm Your Man album that came out in 1998. But for me personally, I heard it in that movie soundtrack and also for the film for Pump Up the Volume. Do you remember that one? Yeah. With Kristen Slater. And so Concrete yeah. Blonde did a version of it, and I loved it, and I thought, this is a great song. And somebody said, no, 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 that's like Leonard Cohen. And then so once I got now involved <laughs> with Leonard Cohen and then went back, so thank you, Concrete Blonde, who is an American band doing a Canadian song. Uh, but Leonard Cohen, everybody knows, definitely has to be on my top five list of Canadian songs of all time. My 
Story for the Guess Who's American Woman is really really cool because while they were at a curling ring concert at the Brown at the Broom and Stone, which was a popular <laughs> Scarborough location for concerts at the time, Randy Bachman, the guitarist for the band, broke a string and he unknowingly played the riff to American Woman. Burton Cummings was then singing on top of that, just whatever he whatever came out of his mouth. So he started to sing American Woman, Don't Mess With Me, American Woman, Gonna Mess With Your Mind. And that's how the song started. They realized some guy in the audience was taping this concert and they asked him, hey, do you have that that thing that we were doing? And he handed over the tape. The guys went back in the studio and worked on American Woman. And a couple of days later, the final song was done. So if it wasn't for that guy bootlegging the concert <laughs> in the first place, both Randy and Burton have said that they would have completely forgotten about the riff to begin with. Unbelievable. And, and, and so Canadian. Curling. And, <laughs> and, and so Canadian. Bootlegging. It's the Canadian way. <laughs> I said, hey, come, come on, let's go downtown. She said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick around. Take a load off. The band and the weight. The band is mostly known to be a Canadian band, even though that more than half the members are actually American. What's cool about this song is that the, the people mentioned in the song are actually real people. Young Anna Lee mentioned in the third verse is Levon Helm, the drummer's longtime friend. Um, Carmen was from Levon Helm's hometown, Turkey Scratch, Arkansas, and Crazy Chester. <laughs> Turkey was, Scratch, Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay, and Crazy Chester was an eccentric resident of uh, Arkansas who carried a cap gun. And in fact, Ronnie Hawkins would tell them to keep the peace at his Rockwood Club when Chester arrived. So the song is not only Canadian, but it's got some real people in it as well. I really should love this song because I'm a loyal husband, but this song, amazing, amazing. It's about, of course, you know, a cheating aspect of the relationship that Brian Adams is going to run to this woman that is obviously taken by another man. But the best thing that I can say about this song is that Brian Adams and Jim Valance wrote it for Blue Oyster Cult who turned it down immediately, forcing Brian Adams to use the song on his Reckless album. It became the first single of one of seven singles off of that album. I wonder how Blue Oyster Cult feels about that. <laughs> you know what? Let's ask him and then we'll use it for the, for the next segment, Songs That Got Away. You know, you were talking about soundtracks up, yes. off the top. Um, have you heard the soundtrack to Big Little Lies? Amazing. Incredible soundtrack. Got it on Spotify the other day because yeah. my, my daughter and I were watching the show. We binge watched it. And then it was like, we've got to get this music. Every song in there. And it's a fabulous playlist. It, it, it's so cool that something like I've heard so often that people will, will Shazam tracks that are in the background mm -hmm. of the miniseries or the show that they're watching. And it becomes their next favorite artist. I love that. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, thank you, Eric, and we'll chat with you next week. Happy Canada Day. Yeah, thank you. Eric Alper is brought to you by Roar Records. Download the new single, Rise, based on the heroic story of Olympian and Pan Am medalist Jessica Phoenix. Well, summer is now in full swing, and most of us have put our comfort food menus away and are enjoying lighter hot weather fare, and that includes favorite summertime desserts. The hostess with the mostest joins us this evening, Charmaine Broughton. Welcome back and start sharing. Oh, I will. Your ice cream ideas. Yeah, well, I mean, nothing screams summertime like ice cream, right? And mm -hmm. the great thing about eating ice cream is it, just, it literally just takes you right back to your right back to your childhood. Well, for me, it's wintertime too. Well, Anytime. <laughs> okay, I'm with you there. 
I, I have a, a serious problem because in the neighborhood where I live in, there's lots of construction. Well, I live in Toronto. There's houses being, you know, t- torn down, going up. And the ice cream truck is now coming by every oh, day. Oh, yay! Oh, <laughs> uh, the soft ice cream truck or the ice cream truck. And I'm, it takes everything I can not to open the door and run out and go and get one of those cones. Well, I often say when I was a kid, um, that's how I got most of my exercise was chasing <laughs> the uh, chasing the ice cream truck down the road on not on foot but on my big wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You've got grown up, grown up ice creams. I do. Or really like any age ice cream. So let's just start with a birthday, uh, birthday bonanza cake. So um, all of these recipes that I'm chatting about today incorporate a variety of great value products found exclusively at Walmart. So it's like one stop shopping, including all your ice cream needs. Uh, so the birthday bonanza cake is awesome. And I have to be honest, when I first saw the picture of it and I was going to recreate it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I can do this. And I'm actually, and, and I'm a trained chef. And you're an expert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought, you know what, just take it easy, grab all your ingredients. And not only was it so much fun, but it was super easy. And even my kids, when we cut into it last night, they even looked at it and they were like, mom, you made this? Um, it is absolutely spectacular. That's high praise when the kids are amazed. For yep. sure. Um, and so... Uh, uh, what you do is you start, you just grab a baking sheet because you just need something to like work off of, right? And you want to make sure that you have a little bit of room in your freezer as well. So lay a couple of sheets of plastic wrap over your baking sheet, right? Mm-hmm. And then what you're going to do is you, you're going to take um, eight great value ice cream sandwiches. So that's the base. So you're going to uh, line them up beside each other to form a rectangle. And then from there, we are going to top it with some of the great value birthday party ice cream, which is like a vanilla ice cream with sprinkles uh, uh, all through in it. Then the middle layer is the great value fudge uh cream-filled sandwiches. So we're going to chop them up and then we stir that with some uh, chocolate uh, sauce. And then that's the middle layer and it's about this thick and it is unbelievable. And then another layer of the ice cream, another layer of the ice cream sandwiches. And then what you're going to do with the uh, plastic wrap is just form it around the cake, right? Hold it all together. Right, to hold it all together. Pop it into the freezer and let it freeze for about four hours. Then you're going to bring it out and you're going to take one tub of the uh, great uh, value uh, frozen whip topping. And the great thing is the recipe uses the the, the whole tub. So you're not left with like three tablespoons. You never want to be left with a few tablespoons. No. (laughs) Something to like eat over the kitchen sink or whatever. Uh, And then you're going to spread the uh, whipped uh, frozen whip topping all over the cake and then garnish it with some sprinkles of choice. Pop it back in the freezer for another couple couple of uh, hours and voila you've got this gorgeous birthday cake and don't be alarmed don't think you can't do it because uh like I said when I first saw the recipe I was like oh do I need like a degree in like fine arts (laughs) but uh it it turned out absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. okay well this one um has me written all over it. Churro ice cream sundae. Yeah. So what's really neat about this one is, um, you know, churros are a little bit trendy right now. So mm-hmm. uh, they're like a deep fried Spanish donut. Um, and uh, then they're sprinkled with a cinnamon sugar topping, right? Uh, so for this one, what we're the ice cream that we're going to use is the Great Value Camouflage uh, Ice Cream, <laughs> which is a combination of chocolate, caramel, and vanilla ice cream. So you scoop it out. And then uh, you uh, coat it with an egg white and then you roll it in some of the uh, great value uh, crushed cornflakes, right? So you just have to crush them up and then you are going to uh, uh, fry it off and then you serve it with some whipped cream and some fruit. And then we are uh, sprinkle the uh, traditional topping, which is the cinnamon and sugar on top and voila, uh, again, just um, uh, it doesn't take uh, very long to prepare, but yeah, just a really neat end to a to a summer dinner. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, the superlicious float. Oh yes! Now, what I like about this one <laughs> is, I was thinking, you know, um, although this is very family friendly, you could make it uh, appropriate maybe for like a stagette. So for this one, we are going to use the Great Value Superlicious Ice Cream, which is a banana strawberry blueberry flavored ice cream, and then um, we're gonna. So you divide it between your cups and then you're going to top it with some of the great value peach sparkling beverage. 
uh, and then some frozen fruit and then garnish it with some strawberry wafers. But what I was thinking, if you were hosting like an adult party, maybe like a stagette, you could even put in a little bit of like peach snaps or champagne See, just to make I it like the grown up dessert. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this will all be on your blog on our website. Yes, I will absolutely uh, write a blog, but the uh, viewers can also go to walmart.ca uh, slash recipe center for all these fabulous, fabulous recipes uh, featuring, yeah, great value ice cream and a number of awesome products and delicious desserts. The only problem is you didn't bring any. In no, I time. didn't. Oh, but we still they love you. under all these lights. So. <laughs> we still love you. Thank you so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure. This is what she said. Stay with us. Well, it may seem incredible that in 2017, many women need to be encouraged to take a role in the financial side of their lives. But uh, we have a survey that says we need to, according to Meridian's Dillis DeCruz, who joins us this evening. Dillis, welcome to what she said. Thanks so much. Always great to be here. So what do recent surveys tell us about what women know and why they need to become proactive? Some interesting studies that have come out uh, recently. So a recent Stats Canada survey uh, really surveyed the knowledge of um, financial knowledge of women versus men. And there is still a gender gap when it comes to women's financial knowledge versus men. It was about 13% difference in knowledge. Um, Interestingly enough, in this survey, that even university-educated women were coming in scoring lower against university-educated men. And so... um, There is definitely an issue and a gap that still exists in terms of women's knowledge. And then couple that with the fact that once you couple up and get married, it goes down even more. Wow. Hmm. For anyone who's largely stayed out of the finances in their family, it can be a really daunting prospect, Mm -hmm. I think, because money is not something that our generation is comfortable with. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to get, many people don't want to get involved in it. Where should these women start? Yeah, and, and you know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, why is it that once you couple up, uh, all of a sudden literacy or financial literacy is going down? And so I think people just, you know, in a household, someone normally takes the lead and quite often, whether you're educated or not educated, um, it might be the male. And so you just, I think, get a little complacent and someone else is doing it. And I think that's okay. It's okay if one person takes the lead. But I think it's really important for women to ask questions and, uh, you know, sit down and and really kind of say, where are we financially? And so I I would say the first thing you want to do is uh, get informed and get involved and and really sit down and say, you know, what is our financial situation? Um, What is our cash flow? What is our debt? What are our investments? Um, really important to know insurance insurance absolutely you know and some basic things where are our documents I mean god mm-hmm. forbid um, you know something happens and and uh, your spouse goes into the hospital or suddenly passes away um, you know do you know where your documents are and the and the critical information do you know who your advisors are and so I think it's really important just to sit down and start having that conversation and it doesn't have to be a big conversation show me everything right now but you know really just baby steps to say where are we financially and what is our situation. And really also make sure uh, that you are joint on certain accounts that are, uh, you know, that are important. Um, and an example of this is, uh, you know, I had some relatives a few years ago, um, you know, in their in mid, mid 80s, and uh, they'd been married for about 50, well, 55 years. And uh, at least um, the wife in the situation did have her own account, which was really great. They, they managed their finances somewhat separately. But what happened is the husband started uh, suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. And then he had an accident and he went in the hospital and he was incapacitated completely. What she found was their day-to-day account where they paid all the bills. She wasn't joint on. And we had actually spoken to this relative of ours beforehand and said, make her joint. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Or he had whatever reasons. But then what happened was she couldn't make the day-to-day payments from that account because she wasn't joint on the account. Yeah, the other thing too is power of attorneys. My parents, long before they were ill, um, gave me power of attorney and they said, you may not need it, but if anything Mm -hmm. happens, you have it. And it was was tucked away 
And then when my dad got sick and then my mother was was not well at all because she'd, she'd never even written a check. She, would, she didn't know what a GIC yeah, was. Yeah. She didn't even know if they had insurance. Yeah. She knew nothing. She was exactly the, the, yeah. that person that you're talking about. Yeah. And if I hadn't had that, um, I don't know what would have happened. I think that is so important that you bring that up, Christine, is, is that have those conversations early, you know, get those powers of attorney set up at minimum. And you get that that way, at least you can jump in should something happen. And, you know, be joint where, where necessary as well, too. And another study just to, to kind of, um, you know, layer this on top is, is that um, 45% of women over 65 are widowed. So a study in the US said that Nine out of 10 women at some point in the time uh, in their lifetime will have to manage their finances by themselves. And so it's critical if, if nine out of 10 women are going to have to manage their finances at some point in time because we're either outliving uh, or, you know, marriages are 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. It's critical that women start getting informed now and, and start really getting educated. So um, going back to getting, you know, if you're with a partner now, really just take some interest, start asking questions and really start understanding what your financial situation is. So should anything happen, you know, you're not overwhelmed. Um, the next thing I think that is really important I talked a little bit about this and in, in, in these relatives of ours, is, is that have a savings account. I think it's really important to, for women to have, if, if you're in a relationship, have a savings account or your own separate account. An emergency account. An emergency account, right? So it's building independence. It's it's there if you need it. Um, and, you know, I, I have an interesting story about one of our members who, um, she was a stay-at-home mom for a few years. She's a freelance writer. And she, you know, went in and... Uh, she said, every time I went into the bank, she wasn't with us at this point in time, the advisor would always speak to her husband. And she really felt left out of the conversation. She didn't have the knowledge. And one day she saw our, our branch and she went by and decided to have a conversation. And the advisor took personal interest in her and started asking her questions. And he basically um, started saying, you know, set up an account. And so from that, she set up a savings account. She learned more about RSPs. And then she took an active interest in the financial affairs. And uh, the, the story then goes on that she uh, now has, she convinced her husband to move their banking. But she is now... <laughs> Which is awesome for us, but uh, but she's now running. She's taking active uh, involvement in their household finances. But it was all about the confidence. She didn't have the confidence of her knowledge, and so um, that leads me to the next point: is really educate yourself. Yeah, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to say that uh, when I did my will, I decided I wrote a list for my children on the back of it of where everything was, what I had, who to contact, and a phone number. And that might be a good start Yeah, for I, women, you know, a couple to get together. Yeah, I, I think that there's so many ways to do it. You don't want it to be overwhelming. Um, you know, just kind of get the basics there. That's a fantastic way of doing it. And educating yourself, too, is, you know, we are always offering uh, financial literacy, uh, free seminars on right. RSPs and mortgages. Um, so there are tons of ways to get information, whether you're reading, whether you're going to free seminars, um, and even just going into your advisor. In this case of this member who went in, she didn't even know what questions to ask. And she started small, and then all of a sudden she's gained this confidence, and she started, she's opened up this account. So could they go to Meridian? Could people just make an appointment with somebody at Meridian and say, look, I, I want to become more educated. Um, I'd like to open an account. Can you help me? Yeah, I, and I think that's a great start. I think that's a great start. Just go in there, have a conversation, and just be open and honest and, and say, you know what? I'm really not familiar, and don't use all these terms with me because I really don't understand all the acronyms, whether it's a TFSA or RSP. And just say, you know, help me. Here's my financial situation. Or, you know what, I'm stay at home and I really don't know, but I want some independence. They can help you and look at your whole financial situation and give you advice. And I think knowing, as you said, uh, you know, if you're not on the joint account, for the basic account where most of your cash flow, you know, you're paying your, your household bills comes from, you should at least have, you know, a debit card and have an access to the card so you can continue to pay the bills. That's exactly it because you could be paralyzed, right? Mm -hmm. You can just be paralyzed. And then what do you have to do? You have to go to a lawyer, especially let's say in a case where your spouse is incapacitated or, or passed away suddenly. But now all of a sudden you have to incur expenses um, to prove that you should be able to go onto that account and, and make those payments. So I think that's a critical thing. Just be prepared so that um, you're not overwhelmed because a situation could hit you and it's overwhelming enough by itself. Mm-hmm. So gaining financial confidence, don't be off 
They'll be caught off guard, basically, is what yeah. you're saying. And go out there and just get informed. You know, get informed, take control, and uh, gain that confidence, and and uh, just prepare for the future so that if it happens, if life takes a turn, uh, you're not feeling uh, that you're totally out of control. And certainly something to pass on to daughters. Yes, start young. Start young with daughters. And, uh, you know, we have that Save the Camp app we had talked about once before. You know, start young with, with daughters, start young with kids, and, and get them really, get their literacy up in, in the whole financial space. All right, Dillis, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell people where they can connect with you and get some more of this invaluable help and advice. Yeah, go on to our website, www.meridiancu.ca, and you can find a branch nearest you and pop in and see an advisor. Thank you so much. Great, thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. And me as a boy, lift me up and take me high. When we're making love, no distraction, satisfaction. What you are listening to is radio by three-time Juno nominee and reggae queen Amoy. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. You have a new album that just came out on Thursday called The Light. Tell us about your roots in music and how you got started. Well, I grew up in Jamaica with my mm-hmm. grandparents, and they were strict Christians, so they had me in the church singing in the choir from I was about three, four, three, four years old, and I've been singing ever since. And you've worked with some amazing musicians, Ziggy Marley, Michael Bublé. Tell us about the general theme of your new album. The new album is about positivity and unity consciousness. It's about um, reminding people that you have a voice inside of yourself and to look within yourself, not go outside of yourself for validation and for love and for all of that good stuff, but find that motivation within yourself. And that's unity consciousness. Unity consciousness is also about bringing people together, not looking at... uh, Celebrating each other's differences and instead of uh, competing with other with others, collaborating with everybody is, what, is really what the message is all, all about. This was your third year being nominated uh, mm-hmm. at the Juno Awards for the Reggae Recording of the Year, and you were the only woman in that mm-hmm. category. Yeah. Uh, and people were expressing their disappointment at that. I mean, do you think there needs to be better representation? Absolutely. Um, I mean, reggae music is male-dominated, and there are a lot of females doing good good music in reggae, mm-hmm. and so they need to be recognized. So I do agree with that. We need to shine light more on the female aspect of music industry period, and not just about the male, but more about give a more of a balance is what we need now in the music industry. I would say, mm-hmm. especially you, in reggae music. You say you aim to be a light worker with your music. What do mm-hmm. you mean by that? I'm all about positivity, like I said, and I found the light within myself, my higher self, and I want to share that light with everybody is really what it's all about. So where can people find you online to grab a copy of the new album? Uh, They can get it on my website at www.amoyemusic.com, and it's also on iTunes and Spotify and all the outlets, the musical outlets out there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And that is it for what she said tonight. But join us again next weekend at 10 on The Jewel right now. Here's Amoy performing Don't Count Me Out. Thank you. Na 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 mm-hmm. I'm a woman from a small town in the country With a big city mentality Yeah, I'll never forget I come from the ghetto yeah, it taught me how mean these streets can be I'm going in, don't count me out Never ever come this liquor get dug y'all, yeah out No way No matter what you try You'll never clip my wings, no way man I was meant to fly mm-hmm. The bright Jamaican sun has come out to shine for me today. Yeah. To give me the strength to climb top that mountain. Yeah. They try to put in my way. I'm moving up, don't keep me down. Uh, 
Never ever come this little ghetto girl Yeah, out, no way No matter what you do You'll never win if you try to keep me down You're gonna lose When the sun comes looking for me, yeah. Uh, 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 when the sun comes to shine on me, yeah. I push hard like life in the ghetto, yeah. So it would take much more than you to stop me. You give me a mickle, I make it a muckle, yeah. I'm like that small axe taking down big trees. So count me in, don't leave me out. Never ever gone this little Jamaican girl. Yeah, out, no way. No matter how it seems, you'll never get a chance to kill my dreams or my self esteem. No way, yeah. The bright Jamaican moon. Always comes to guide me through the night Darkest nights So I can stand up and stand out in any crowd So you can hear what I got to say Count me in, don't lead me on Never ever underestimate this your jam girl No way And don't make no mistake You'll never get a chance to take me down I'm gonna win this race Yeah ah, ah. When the sun comes looking for me Yeah ah, ah. Ah, ah. When the sun comes to shine on me Yeah uh, when the sun looking for me, yeah. Uh, 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 when the sun comes to shine on me, yeah. Shine on, shine on. Get your people shine on, shine on, yeah. Uh, uh, shine on me, shine on me, yeah. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.